Good morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What do I do next? That's a question that uh, many readers found themselves asking two sisters from Sioux City, Iowa, for nearly half a century. And their names, Pauline Phillips and Epi Letterer, though you probably know them better by their pen names, Dear Abby and Ask Anne Landers. And for 50 years, they answered the burning questions that many people had. And you might be just be familiar with some of those questions and answers they gave, because they're as funny as they are instructive. I mean, one woman writes in, Dear Abby, I'm 44 years old, and I'd like to meet a man without any bad habits. <laughs> Abby's response, me too. Or uh, my personal favorite, uh, a woman writes in, Dear Abby, I'm 19 years old. I'm not very experienced, but my mother's told me to be careful of men with mustaches. Is there any truth to this? Abby's response, Yes, but I'd also be careful of men without them. <laughs> now, not all of their letters were this lighthearted, and that's because many people wrote in with some very challenging, difficult situations. And it's among those more difficult letters that I'd imagine we'd find one from Joseph, about his soon-to-be wife, Mary. And, you know, as we encounter Joseph today, what we discover is someone who's very likely, just like their readers, wondering, what do I do next? But what we also see is the picture of a man who's not really all that different from you or me, and yet puts his faith into action because God is with him and for him everywhere he goes. And that brings us to Joseph's story. And, and Joseph's story is a love story. We all know how love stories go. Boy meets girl, and girl meets boy. Boy makes eyes at girl, and girl flirts with boy. The two of them fall into love, and one day, the boy goes off and buys a ring. He asks the girl to marry him, and the two of them enter into a mutually binding contract between her family and his. You see, Joseph's story is the story of a first-century contract marriage. That's why many of the details in Joseph's story just seem strange and downright bizarre to us. That's because marriage in Joseph's day wasn't about romantic feelings. It's about legal arrangements, what it means to honor them. And if you're Joseph, those legal arrangements begin with a down payment, a gift of a gold coin or gold ring that you give to Mary. And that's where we get engagement rings today. And they're these objects of great value that represent the promise that you've made to Mary. And so if you're Joseph, you give Mary this ring, and you remain engaged to her until you can raise the rest of the bride price. It's an amount of money that you pay to Mary's family when you get married to her, when you close the contract. And that amount is 50 shekels, which is equivalent to 200 days wages, or in 2010, $50,000 in Montgomery County. And so you're raising this money. But you're not just raising money, you're building a place for you to live. And that's not a townhome in Olney. It's not a, an apartment in Silver Spring. It's an addition to your parents' house. You're building a room where the two of you will live 
on the day you get married and move in together. You see, this is why, as far as the community is concerned, you're legally married. I mean, vows have been made, a contract's been signed, down payment has been given, and the only thing that's left at this point is to enjoy your marriage night, to consummate your marriage, to close the contract between Mary's family and yours. And that's why Joseph could be any one of us. I mean, any one of us who wants to do the right thing. Any one of us who puts in all the hard work and long hours, trusting that someday it's all supposed to pay off. And as far as you can tell, things are going according to plan. Exactly according to plan. Until you discover that Mary's pregnant. Now, these sorts of things happen in the first century. And, and while it's not ideal, it's also not the end of the world. Your rabbi would probably say something like, well, if Mary is pregnant, then you've consummated the relationship, and if you've consummated the relationship, then you're married, because that's what marriage in the Bible, what marriage in God's eyes is. It's a promise made and a marriage consummated. And so Mary's pregnant, you've made the vows, and so the two of you are married. Except there's a problem, a rather big problem. You know something. You know that you've never been with Mary. And you also know that Mary's been away for three months. Three months visiting her cousin Elizabeth, and when she comes back, she's three months pregnant. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. And, and when she returns home, she's, she's telling you this story. And that's probably the best way to describe it, because it sounds like something you'd hear in a fairy tale. Joseph, she says, it was an angel. An angel came to me, and, and what is conceived in me is from the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, can you imagine? Really, like, can you imagine? The least she could do is tell you the truth, because, because this story, this lie, I mean, it only makes the hurt and betrayal worse. And, and maybe you've found yourself there before. Happens at work. Someone takes credit for something you did. A loved one, maybe a sibling or a spouse, throws you under the bus. And it hurts because you trusted them. You worked hard for them. And if you're anything like Joseph, you're probably wondering, what do I do next? Now, if you're Joseph, uh, you got one of two options. You can divorce Mary publicly, or you can divorce her privately. If you divorce her publicly, she'll be labeled an adulteress, probably struggle to raise her son, and, and certainly never marry again. Not only this, she'll have to return the down payment, the gold ring, and surrender all the stuff that she's moved from her parents' house to yours during the engagement. And then she has to forfeit any claim at the bride price that she has. And if this seems a little harsh to you, just, just consider this. Mary is the one who wronged you. She's the one who broke the contract. And so you can, you can divorce her publicly, or you could divorce her privately. And if you divorce Mary privately, things begin to look very different, because now the shame's on you. The shame that comes when you send away 
a perfectly good woman, when you divorce her without reason, which is why Mary then gets to keep all of her stuff, the down payment, the things she's moved to your parents' house. Not only this, you still have to pay the bride price. 200 days wages, $50,000 to Mary and her family despite her unfaithfulness. And so if you go see a a divorce lawyer, I mean, this is a no-brainer. It's a simple contract. He's not going to wrestle with this. But there's one more problem. You love Mary. See, it's, it's a love story. And what happens next is, is how we know. You love Mary, and you love your Lord. And, and while you don't believe her, you still want what's best for her. And that's why you willingly take the shame, even though it's meant for her. That's why you willingly give back all of her stuff, even though the law says it's yours. And that's why you willingly pay the bride price, $50,000, 200 days of work to marry and her family, to protect her reputation and honor, and to help her raise this child. And you know, maybe, maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've done something crazy for love. If you ever had, you know, it's the love of God the love of Christ at work within you, because it's the love of Christ that that moves us to care for one another. It's the love of Christ that leads us to forgive others of the hurt and pain. It's the love of Christ that enables us to do the right thing, even when it's hard. But, But here's the crazy thing about your story. You're doing the right thing, but it's the wrong thing. And that's why the Lord sends an angel to you. Joseph, he says, you're doing all the right things for all the right reasons. But Mary isn't lying. What's conceived in her really is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth and have a son, and you're going to be his father. You're going to raise him up. And one day, that son of yours, he is the Messiah, and he is going to save his people, all people, from their sins. And maybe you've been there too, thinking you're doing the right thing thinking you're following God, and then you get this new piece of information and everything changes. And it's in moments like this that just like Joseph, God reminds you that he's with you and for you. He reminds you that he uses ordinary mixed up people to save ordinary mixed up people like you and me. And so when Joseph wakes up, he takes Mary as his wife and she has a son. And you know, this is the story that we also see in the life of Jesus. God becoming one of us. God showing us that he's with us and for us in our lives, no matter where we go or what we do. Now, it may surprise you to learn that shortly after the columns began, my sisters Pauline Phillips and Epi Letterer found themselves in the midst of a family feud See, when Pauline Phillips began her article, Dear Abby, 
she neglected to tell her sister, who'd also been writing an article across the country for the Chicago Sun-Times for just about three months. I felt betrayed. That's what Letterer later told a reporter about that event. And you can certainly understand why. And it's why her family feud lasted for the better part of a decade. Now, some people say that this makes their advice seem less credible. But to me, it, it only makes it seem more because they knew what it was like. And that's why Jesus' birth is so significant for us, because in him, God becomes one of us. God knows what it's like. God shows us. He doesn't just tell us. He shows us that he's with us and for us, that no matter where we go or what we do, he's got our backs. And that's what enables us to put our faith into action and follow God. And so, you know, just a week before Christmas, that's my hope and prayer for you that God would be with you and for you as you're challenged and loved and then empowered by the one who enables us to do the hard thing and care for one another. The one who enables us to forgive others of the hurt and pain even when it's not our fault. And the one who, just like Joseph, enables us to put our faith into action because he's with us, and he's for us, no matter where we go. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.